All right, this is Liberty Ladies here on a Saturday afternoon on AM 600 KIVA 93.7 FM here with our host, Samantha Connor. She's had an electric uh, couple of last shows where she's been talking with ladies who are interested, and I've got a, th- a stat to just throw out directly to her, and, in, and, and I'm sure she's going to disagree with it, as I did when I saw it, but it said 67% of uh, the... Women who are in suburbia, and that would be including a lot of the people in the surrounding environs of Albuquerque, disapprove of Donald Trump's uh, <laughs> job rating. And we've just got a lot of these polls that are out there. It's kind of crazy, Samantha. And uh, you've been doing a great job, you know, getting uh, a lot of more female voices uh, being heard, especially from the conservative side. And we really appreciate you here in the Kiva. Absolutely. I uh, I definitely don't agree with that, but that's what they tell us, right? That's right. <laughs> they tell us they want us to believe it, don't they? Mm-hmm. They they want to do a little indoctrination uh, of us. I got to say, I got a lot of feedback, uh, four or five phone calls of, of people who really enjoyed hearing what you guys had to say on uh, with with your last guest, who's a good friend of yours. Yes, Miss Sonia, she's wonderful. Yeah, so I'm glad good. they enjoyed it. <laughs> so who do we have this week? This is Miss Gretchen. I've known Gretchen since, gosh, how old were we? 10, 12, 12. Yeah. <laughs> forever, forever. We both are, um, we both grew up in the South Valley, New Mexico, yeah. um, Albuquerque. Oh, by the way, Gretchen, just a little bit closer to the mic, if you don't mind. There we go. And uh, just like, yeah, just a couple of inches, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Anywho, so I'd like to, um, of course, introduce everybody to Miss Gretchen. She's a wonderful person. Um, we come from a pretty similar background. And I feel like it wasn't until adulthood that we were kind of like, you know, wink and nod about conservatism. You know, it was just, right. so, even then it wasn't something that we talked about. So it was kind of like, oh, oh, you're one of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So um, Gretchen and I were, were both, I guess we were considered um, the one of the two of the four white people in the South Valley <laughs> when we were growing up. Right. Um, and uh, I think that we both, can attend, and I and I bring that up because growing up in a predominantly you know Hispanic area, um, we somehow came out of it as conservative women, um, and I think we both have created good careers for ourselves. Um, I think we we were both wor- really worried about where our state is headed. Um, I think, and I think also one thing that was probably prominent in us when we were at a younger age was to pay attention to politics. Um, I think we've learned that now as adults. But tell me a little bit about um, how you managed to stay conservative or be conservative um, in, in our upbringing. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's um, interesting that I did because my family's pretty split oh, down really? the middle. Um, my mom's a huge conservative. My dad didn't really talk about politics yeah. growing up. Now, mm-hmm. as we're adults, he does. Mm-hmm. But um, my uh, my stepmom, very, very much on the other side of the aisle. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Usually. And Usually. you're close. You're really close with them. Yeah, so. very close. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I think, for me, my political views are very much rooted in my morals, my beliefs, yeah. my ideals, my work ethic, mm-hmm. and those directly correlate to politics yeah. for me. And I guess, you know, I've always paid attention to politics. Mm-hmm. Even as a teenager, I 
wasn't as vocal about them, but I definitely always wanted to see. Because we always felt like we couldn't. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to see how whatever administration was in the White House, how their policies aligned with what I believed. Right. So I've always paid attention, but I think what very much cemented my conservatism was having children. Really? And the way I wanted them to be raised mm -hmm. and what I wanted them to see as my beliefs and my standards in what our government will do for us. And you have you have two. You have your Brayden and you have Ella. Yes. And they're both teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you've been, and forgive me for saying, but um, you've been single for a while. Um, you've essentially raised them. Yeah. Um, by single mother, and there's one thing, and you may hate me for saying this, but it has always stuck with me because I always had, growing up as a, um, my summer jobs were usually like paralegal work, right? So working with my mom, and I would take, I remember one time distinctly that I took um, discovery for one of the uh, newer clients, and I remember her saying something like, if I can't get the money, I'll just have another kid. And I, 16 year old me, I had no idea what that meant. Right. Um, and then when we got a little bit older, I remember you saying something to me, and you said, I don't take anything from him. I don't, um, yeah. Because then I'll be taking from what he can provide them when they're with him. Right. Um, that has always stuck with me, because I was just, I remember feeling as a 16-year-old, like, what is she even saying? Like, is this how people really think? Like, why would you have another kid if you can afford it? Like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. And then, with, like, having that as almost a norm in my mind as, you know, Al Albuquerque, you know, being a little bit more dependent on, on someone else's money or, you know, things like that. You were just a, like a, not a, a, on a pillow by yourself, right? you know, yeah, pretty much, which I, you're yeah. amazing. I've received a, a lot of, you know, a lot of um, negative feedback from, especially like family and close friends when it came to my decision to not you know, take the the normal route of going to court. See, the crazy thing, like the normal route. Exactly. Like, I mean, exactly. you're right. That is it, the norm. It 100% was, you know, oh, well, you can, you know, you have two kids. You can get this much in child support. And I'm mm -hmm. like, but, you know, my children have older siblings that mm -hmm. he also provided for and paid child support for. Mm -hmm. And as long as I had the support from him, if they needed anything and I couldn't get it, you know, you get it. Right. Then that was it. And you always had a, that kind of relationship. Yeah. Where, always. Right. Always. Okay. And um, and that's all I needed. I didn't I didn't need his support. Yeah. I worked very hard to be able to support my You did. And I remember you um, you put yourself through school mm -hmm. and um, you now work um, in healthcare. We'll yes. call it healthcare. <laughs> um, we're not going to talk about where Gretchen actually works because that would be bad. But I do want to get into a little bit of that since we are in the midst of a pandemic or hopefully on the end of it maybe the CDC will decide <coughs> tomorrow yeah oh. <laughs> or whenever they will decide. do we trust the CDC I, anymore I, well you know that's subjective <laughs> today today when they're talking about you know, you know changing it from a pandemic then I'm kind of on their team yeah but um so I want to um hydroxychloroquine yes that is huge right so that has been the battle. We've all watched that things like that unfold in social media. Right. Um, there's that group of doctors that came out with a multiple press conferences because they kept getting taken down. Right. Um, and they were saying some really powerful things about actually preventing coronavirus 
right. from taking your life. Right. Being that core morbidity or, you know, having some type of predisposition to illness, right? They are. They came out and said that these, the combination of these drugs are actually helping save lives. Right. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Tell me what you know as far as, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about right. cost. So that's huge. People yeah. should know about that. Yeah. So one of the things, and that's one of the things that bothers me the most um, is that hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and azithromycin, or ZPAC, Mm-hmm. Our Zithromax, um combination for what the, you know, those doctors that spoke out, that combination maybe would cost you 20 bucks, 50 if you don't have insurance, maybe, you know. <laughs> so life-changing or life-saving life combination saving. of drugs. I mean, why wouldn't that be, why would there even be a problem? Why indeed? <laughs> I mean, right. should it, and also, here's one thing that I kept thinking about when I was listening to these doctors and people, you know, oh, well, no, Fauci said this, and this, 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 and Trump's wrong, and this, that, and the other. Well, my relationship with my doctor is my own. But that's not what we're seeing happen um, in media right now. They're actually saying, like, um, they're even shutting down that, that they're not even allowed to prescribe those medications. Yeah. I mean, are you seeing that in the hospital you work I I don't know that they've made any kind of mandates or anything against like it. limitations or I don't know that they've limited it but I do know that we are not seeing you know them being prescribed mm-hmm. to patients. Yeah. Um the medications that we're seeing most commonly um are very higher costing mm. like exponentially higher into the thousands And so what does this feed? I mean, is this giving hospitals money, or is this giving, I mean, <laughs> yeah. pharmaceuticals money? Both. Both. Interesting. I mean, it's already been proven that hospitals are receiving a higher amount of money per patient for positive diagnoses and intubations mm-hmm. for COVID-19 patients. So it stands to reason that higher-costing drugs go hand-in-hand with that. Interesting. Well, I mean, they get money for per COVID positive, right? Right. Per COVID positive, a hospital or whoever, the state. Is it the state or the hospital that, that receives funds um, for the help, right? Federal funding for, right. for the helping the pandemic or patients of the pandemic. I mean, I'm sure it goes to the state but is allocated to the hospitals. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure in what manner. Right, but yeah, I, got, I have to be in that room. Yeah. That would be a fly on that wall. Right. Good Lord. <laughs> so, and then I think it was, uh, and if you get put on an intubator, it's what, $39,000? I think something like that. But So, I think what we're seeing in, you know, in retrospect or, or taking a step back, why is our health about money? Right. <laughs> you know, and especially as, a, as somebody who, who pays for their insurance, Am I paying for a service and having that dictated dictated to me, not from my doctor, but essentially from a governing body, you know, of a state that should, I mean, maybe there should be a separation of state and health care. <laughs> In my opinion, I think so. I think private health care is honestly the way to go. But yeah. that, I mean, that's, that's neither here nor there. Right. Um, so that's really interesting that the different drugs are, are costing um, what they do. Yeah. It's 
also kind of terrifying. So let's talk about, um, you know, a little bit about like the ICUs and how um, um, not overwhelmed they are or have they ever been. I mean, tell us a little bit about that because when you're seeing the numbers and they're, you know, we I get them every day. You know, we get the updates every single day, you know, and the number of positives and the number of deaths. And, and personally, I just never... Uh, yeah, I read too much, so I don't, I don't really believe That's that. never a thing. That's <laughs> never a thing. Reading too much is never a thing. <laughs> so we get, I mean, we get daily updates for our hospitals and, you know, daily census. Mm-hmm. Um, they go over it with the staff every day. During this pandemic, our hospitals have never been overwhelmed. They've never been understaffed. Mm-hmm. We've had to um, move a lot of people around because people didn't have, um, there weren't enough patients for people and to work. Like, move people around like staff. Like, no, okay. So, to different floors and different departments. Right. So, once um, the lockdown kind of hit, mm-hmm. elective surgeries and anything that basically wasn't emergent mm-hmm. was stopped. And so. You know, the nurses, OR staff, they all had to be census managed and moved to other units where mm-hmm. they were still seeing patients. Yeah. And so, you know, there was never a, we're short on staff, our ICUs are overwhelmed. I have a question to you. Um, how many times have you been tested for COVID? Zero. Zero. Mm-hmm. Do you know of anybody in the ICU floors that are being um, that are not symptomatic, if they are, or even if they're being forced. Not that I know of. Yeah, I I honestly don't even know. Well, I don't even know anybody who that, has been tested. <laughs> it seems pretty interesting to me. If you're in direct contact, yes, we have the proper, or they have the proper PPE, um, which is your personal protective equipment, right? So mm-hmm. you're literally decked out from head to toe. Yeah. <laughs> um, it makes no sense to me if you know that you're in direct contact with someone who is very, very sick. Shouldn't that tell us a lot of what we need to know about this virus? And it's, you know, I guess it's uh, the severity of it. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like um, that should really tell us that this is, you know, if they're not taking it as serious as they're forcing us to take it. Right. And, you know, I have several friends and family members who are frontline hospital staff, mm-hmm. considered frontline, taking care of patients. And, and that's like ER, ER nurses, okay. ICU nurses, okay. you know, staff in those areas. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, other staff that has to travel from like pharmacy up to the units to deliver medications. Sure, they have to wear their PPE, but I don't, I still don't know a single one of them who has even been tested, and they're, very interesting. And they're doing, you know, they're providing direct patient care. Hmm. That's very interesting to me. <laughs> I mean, you would think that there would be some sort of cycling in of people um, with, you know, you're being tested, then you'd be cycled in, you'd be forced to take time off, no. and then the next cycle, yeah, no, none of that's so happening. So they, they <laughs> do daily screenings for hospital staff, which is basically... You walk in the front doors. They ask you if you've had any of the symptoms. They have a list Mm -hmm. with all of the symptoms, you know, the normal symptoms. And they take your temperature. 
and then they provide you with a mask. There you go. That's that is screening. your screening, right? Oh. I hope that makes everybody feel pretty comfortable about living their life normally. Right. <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Not living in fear. <laughs> Let's not do that. So speaking of living in fear, um, I feel like you're living in fear about what <laughs> you're going to do with your kids. Oh, oh gosh. So um, Gretchen recently moved into into the Heights of, you know, a Heights of Albuquerque. So she's in a completely different school district now and um, was never, she tried to disenroll her two kids from um, so a different school district, and they never disenrolled them. So now, I mean, yeah, and, and are I, they enrolled? Are they, well, <laughs> are they going to school? It's pending. <laughs> so I, I did kind of wait till last minute. My kids were out of state um, mm-hmm. for a month, for the month of July. So I waited till they got back. We had a discussion about what they wanted to do mm-hmm. because they, my kids have homeschooled for a year before. Yeah. So they have that experience, they knew what it was like, and I ultimately let them decide what they wanted to do as far as schooling, whether okay. they wanted to do this hybrid model yeah. or if they wanted to just do everything else. And what are they, are they split? Are they the same? No, are they, 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 they liked the work of homeschooling better, but they're teenagers, they need that social aspect. Right. So My son needs the sports. Yeah. My daughter needs... And what does he play? Uh, he does football. Okay. Yeah. So... You know, they, they need that interaction with other kids, mm-hmm. um, but so they both uh, decided basically they wanted to go back to school. They wanted to do the hybrid model. And they would much rather have a regular school year. Oh, yeah. I'm they sure. definitely want to go back a full time. And mm-hmm. my son is, I mean, to say the least, he's bummed out about not having sports, mm-hmm. um, which is, for me as a parent is frustrating. He kind of used sports as incentive. Yeah. You well, know, yeah, because you got. I mean, you have to. They have to get good grades, mm-hmm. otherwise you can't play. But now he's like, oh wow, yeah, you so know, he's kind of checked out. And he he's always wanted to make you know try and get like a sports scholarship or anything. He's like, you know, is, is he only going to get two years? A year, maybe. Uh, his, uh, his uh, yeah, and a shot, a, a shot at getting yeah. noticed, or yeah. even the developmental part when it comes to um, to sports. I mean, there's such a big. Yeah. I mean, I, I played. I played my whole life. I played a college sport, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it takes over your entire life, and it, you have to be dedicated. Right. So think about. I can't even imagine. I mean, we have kids ac- across this entire state that are not able to do any of these things, and they're not motivated right. because they don't have school. Right. To, you know, they don't have sports to motivate them either way. Even if you're an, an, an academic kid, right? You ha- you're not motivated by that. No, and I, you know, we've seen like the reentry plans with schools, but what I haven't seen is what is this curriculum going to look like? What is it going to look like that my children are learning? What is the quality of education that mm-hmm. they're actually going to get doing this hybrid model? Because right. if it's anything like, you know, the last few weeks of school, yeah. they my kids... You and know, that was pass-fail, right? Yeah, it was so just pass-or-fail. Really pass. they, they literally got nothing out of those last mm-hmm. however many weeks they stayed at home right. doing that online learning. They got nothing from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, they've had over the summer to kind of prepare for this, and they knew that there was a chance that schools wouldn't be opening up as normally. So. Yeah. But I still have yet to see what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And it is a week before school. My kids may or may not be enrolled. Who knows at this point? Oh, gosh. Because, I, <laughs> you know, I'm working with APS, and I, I, you know, I 
got confirmation that we got one of them disenrolled from the you know previous the previous yeah, years district and they're sending all the stuff to the new district. Mm-hmm. My son went over to his new school today and you know they were doing kind of like sign ups for sports in case you know they just get a late start to the season. Mm-hmm. Um and I you know they, they, I cannot even yeah. imagine. Yeah, what parents are going through right now. I can't so imagine you, what kids are going through. That too. They've worked their their entire high school, you know, careers at, def, you know, like really, you know, refining their craft as mm-hmm. far as sports go. And then, what are they supposed to do now? You know, yeah. if, if this is their junior or senior year, mm-hmm. what kind of scouting are they gonna? If the, yeah, if that's their dream and they yeah, want to go play somewhere. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I feel like we've, we've literally been tossed back to the 1950s directly where moms, and maybe not so much because you have teenagers, so it, the dynamic is a little bit different, but, uh, children, you know, moms with children very young, um, it feels like you are now a homemaker. Mm-hmm. You are now responsible for, you know, what are you going to do with your kids? Yeah. And I'm hearing a lot of stories, and I, don't, I can't be fact, you know, fact based on this, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of daycares are open. So that's happening. Like daycare facilities are opening. Yeah. But schools can't be open. I, and I, I don't know, but you'd like it, that, you know, my kids are teenagers, so thank goodness I don't have to worry about daycare. Yeah. So that being said, where are the feminists? I shouldn't even call them feminists. I, would, I honestly refer to them to, as neo feminists. Mm-hmm. Like, why, where is the uproar enforcing, and, I mean, let's be real, it's mostly the moms that are going to be doing this kind right. of stuff. Right. They're the ones that are going to be teaching their kids. Well, there goes their career, right? If they if they don't have someone right. for the their kids to go. The whole thing that we've, <laughs> that our, you know, predecessors as women fought for, um, yeah, gone because of a virus that has a 99.7% survival right. rate. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know, what, why are women not more appalled? Right. By that. Because they're more afraid of what they're being you know, fed to believe. Mm-hmm. And in your experience, like, do you feel like conservatism is actually a little bit more, um, like, predominant than what you see? Or in your life, do you feel like it's I a lot of more left-leaning? I think, you know, I'm actually really surprised at the amount of conservatives in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um Everybody who's vocal about politics seems to be more left-leaning in the right. state. Yeah. But, you know, conservatives are the silent majority for a reason. Right. I wish they weren't as silent. I know. I wish they weren't as afraid to vocalize their beliefs. You know, I truly think that that is something that has to change within the party. I mean, conservatives are aligning themselves with, with the Republican Party. And there are problems with the party that I, that I you know, that I are that need to change but of course. Um, definitely needs to they have progressives the left has been at this for our entire lives and if and our parents lives and you know our grandparents lives longer I mean progressivism has been here since the 1800s and it, there has been this push in universities and I, I call it the <laughs> it's an undercurrent to me and I think that what we are seeing now is um, kind of the undercurrent is showing what the motive has always been. Uh, I remember being a kid and my dad my dad kind of telling me, like, the goal has always been, <laughs> like, communism or socialism right. um, for that side. Yeah. And 
now they're just being really vocal about it. Now it's just out in the open, and they're willy-nilly. And um, I really think that when progressives get, you know, 10 feet out of the 15,000 they're reaching for, it's still a win for them. Yeah. And conservatives are doing nothing to stop that. Right. Um, we, we are the ones that are constantly compromising with literally handing over freedoms. Yeah. Um, and I just, what we need to do, like, as a as conservative-based people or, you know, right-leaning, is really figure out how to kind of adjust the thinking about that. How are we going to stop that? Because, what do we, like, what do we do, need to do to make conservatism cool? Right. <laughs> you know? Because right now, the cool thing to do is be a bleeding heart liberal, which that's what we're seeing on TV, everybody. Those right. are the people that care about everyone destroying po- property right. and destroying lives. Right. That's what we see in leftists. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the popular thing right now. And, I mean, it, it's so hard to combat that. Even, you know, having discussions, well, in my case, they usually end up being like debates or arguments. <laughs> nobody likes to discuss things rationally no. and factually. Well, now you're a racist. No. Oh. That didn't, battle thing again. You knew, you knew didn't you? <laughs> if you're a conservative, you're a racist. You know, I, I have these discussions with people and, you know, coworkers, friends, and I, I have literally had people tell me, you know, either like directly like on my social media or to my face, like, what is wrong with you? I thought you were so much smarter than this. And then, you know, then they give me like the popular points of view. And then <laughs> I, I rebut them with facts and statistics. And, you know, then they're just like, oh, well, you just, you just get that from Fox. I'm like, no, if this is like the actual news article. And it shows the actual video if you want to watch it. So right. it's actual, it's fact. Mm-hmm. I know that you like these snippets that are taken out of context. Right. But, you know, and, and like... But look at the big picture. That's one thing I've noticed a lot about conservatives, too, is that we are always... We are never the ones to jump on something, right? Like, we're like, okay, but we're led up to this. Right, we don't What do was the aftermath? Again. Like, what we, like what is the whole story? Right. Well, because that's life, you, right? Like, I have a whole story that yeah. brought me to this point, and, and I, right. maybe that's where you it comes can, from. You can't, I don't understand... I, I, I want to say you can't, but obviously people can because they do. <laughs> I don't understand how you can base an opinion off of not having all of the information. Right. So how do you do that? Like, or, I mean, you don't you don't have all the facts. So how do you even know what your opinion really is when you don't have all of that? Correct. Yeah. I I mean, oftentimes that's what leads me to reading more. You know, right. I, I'm like, okay, well, th- if this is going to affect me a certain way, like, I want to, I want to learn, you know, what came, what came before that. You right. know, how is this going to affect me in my life and my decision making, um, and how I feel about it. Lately, it's been the mask thing, right? So up until um, a few months ago, two months ago, not even, um, masks were worthless according to the CDC, and, the and that is in writing. I encourage everybody to go read it. The yeah. Surgeon General, Dr. Fauci, everybody was anti-mask. Was saying, or then they just well, we already effective. know that you know m- these masks do not protect you 100% from anything because that's not what they're for. Um, but you know, when this first started, when so where is the common sense? Uh, you know, where where is it? Oh, you shut me off already. Oh. <laughs> Which I don't, I mean... I, I don't know. It's People are just... 
they're just scared. They're allowing themselves to be scared. They're listening to everything that comes out of reporters' mouths off of the news. And instead of, you know, getting all of the information and finding out well, that's just fact. lazy, right? It is, I mean, it if, is you, lazy. if you're going to, how, I mean, is there any one thing, like, if you have a boss and they tell you something, do you just really, you really just do it? Or I'm the kind of person that's like, I got to figure out, okay, well, if my boss is telling me to do this, it's probably because of this. Right. Or, or how do I do it efficiently? Right. Or, you know, you don't just. Exactly. So but that's what we're seeing as a society, do. right? Like, right. your boss, because you have allowed a governor to be your boss, your mom, yeah, your mama, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, dictate how you live your life. That is out of your hands now. Yeah. Like, you have literally, hand, like, delivered your life to this governor, to a human, which you wouldn't have done to a boss, right. an actual boss in a workplace, right? Why are we doing it now? Right. They work for us. Yeah. And, you know, whenever um, these press releases come out, you know, she does all these, I, I watch the live stream, and it is amazing and scary to me how many people comment, thank you for the wonderful leadership in our state and thank you for what you're doing and I'm like what? <laughs> yeah, no joke like, 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 like literally can what? You ex- can you explain? I have questions. <laughs> you know? Yes. And that's how it yes. all, and this is how I get myself into trouble like getting into arguments because I, I cannot and refuse to remain silent. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't don't go about it like I want to change your opinion or yeah. I want you to see things from my point of view. Mm-hmm. Like I, you have to see it my way. But I want to have a discussion and I want to know why we see things so but differently. You, but you can't. No, because they get offended right away and I'm just an idiot. I They thought I was smarter than this or yeah. I just follow the orange man or, you know, they never want to have like a factual, actual conversation about why they see things the way they do and why I see things the way I do. Yeah. No, because they don't actually care how you think. Yeah. They don't actually care because mainstream matters more. Being in the, yeah. being going with the flow and never against the grain matters more to them. Me personally, I am I like to feel uncomfortable in in, in situ if I'm against the grain. Yeah. Like if I'm then against you're the probably doing something then I'm right. probably doing something yeah. right. I mean that of course I, I don't know how many times I, I receive judgment on the you know, I, I don't know if you knew, but I received, like, my two cease and desist orders two days in a row. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were like, well, what are you going to do after the first one? <laughs> well, I'm going to operate my, my business. Right. If I've got customers wanting to come and see me, that tells me where they're at <laughs> with all of this. They would rather have some normalcy than, you know, they want to come ag- come in and be against the grain with me. Right. Um, and I'm more than happy to provide that piece of normalcy. Um, was it hard? Yeah, it was not graceful. I sit in front of a police officer, state cop, crying, yeah. telling him all about the Constitution. <laughs> that poor man received an error. He didn't know he was coming to see that day. Yeah. <laughs> so, he knows now. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh, I, l- I think I left an impression. At least I hope I did, because in all reality, now so. we're seeing that again mm-hmm. with, like, mask mandates, right? Yeah. Now we're seeing it with, you know, state police are having to give out fines there's a commercial. Did you see the commercial? I didn't. Oh my God! There's I don't a commercial. Watch a lot of TV. Oh Lord, girl. There, there's a commercial <laughs> that tells people to mask up or get a ticket. Yeah. You know, the only place, unless 
somebody tells me that I cannot enter their establishment without a mask, I usually don't put one on. Yeah. Because you wear one all day. Right. I wear, I have, you know. And always at, have. At my, at my place of work, I always will because that's my job and I work in healthcare, <laughs> and so I'm there to make our patients and our customers feel safe mm-hmm. in our, you know, facilities. Mm-hmm. I can't walk from my car to the building without a mask. No. They will take my name down. You're joking. I'm not. Oh they will take, if I walk from my vehicle to the front door without my personal mask on, they will take down my name for record. I'm not sure what that record's for, but they will take down names so they know because they've had, you know, patients complaining right. that oh, employees wow. are walking from the parking lot I without see. masks on. Karen's. <laughs> Karen. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, if we walk to and from our vehicles in the parking lot, Without masks on, they're definitely taking note of it. How comforting to know <laughs> how much you're even being watched at your job. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Where you're trying to help people. I'm like, I feel, I mean, this sounds crazy, but we're not so far from being chipped, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I do want to ask one more question because I feel like this is something that um, I, I just want to know how conservatives this or how you would explain it to, you know, someone that you were talking to that had a question. So um, how would you explain the difference between a liberal and a conservative? <laughs> uh, like if someone said, well, what's the difference? Someone Like a new voter, we'll say, like right. an 18-year-old new voter, how would you say, well, um, it, they would probably put it like, what's the difference between a Democrat, Democrat and a Republican? Republican. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically, I feel like Democrats rely heavily on government mm-hmm. for, you know, all of our domestic issues. Yeah. But their foreign policies are pretty weak. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, um, you know, they're obviously a, a lot freer thinking in terms of, you know, um, abortions and my body, my choice. Right. And the mask. You know, right. Mm-hmm. It's not just you. Um, you know, you they're, like they're for gun control. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. They're open immigration policies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say that conservatives are, um, are for a leaner government. They take a tougher stance on foreign policy and immigration, but they support strong free market capitalism, mm-hmm. our constitutional freedoms, and taking personal responsibility. Yes, we love accountability. Right. <laughs> Second Amendment, and we're fiscally conservative, you well, know. We, well, I would love for that to be true right now. We try <laughs> and strive towards, you know, uh, um, more conservative fiscal responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah, less, and less, taxes, and less taxes. taxes. That's what we want. Less taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, um, liberals, Democrats, they're always, you know, touting this higher taxes for, you know, the 1% or, you know. And uh, my it, thing is the fair share comment. I, what, who are you to decide what my fair share is? Especially if I work harder than you, if I've worked longer than you. It's the same thing when it comes to, like, um, you're not entitled the wage to gap, you know, right. that, that whole myth. Um, mm-hmm. If if I if I worked harder, if I worked longer, 
um, if my experience is more, even though we have the same job title, mm-hmm. why should you get paid what I get paid? Why should I get paid what you get paid if yours oh. is more? Oh, socialism. You know, yeah, communism. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you so much, my dear. Um, it was a pleasure having you, and of course, a pleasure to see you after a little while. It's been a minute. It's been a while. Um, but thank you so much for coming and sharing your insight. Really enjoyed that. Thank yes, you so much. Thank you for having me. Take it away, Eddie. Another remarkable <laughs> conversation. I got to tell you, I really enjoy uh, this. This is a different perspective. And you guys have a lot of things to say that other people are saying. And I think you both feel that way. And I think that voice needs to be heard, amplified not amplified in normal media here. It's not amplified on uh, other radio stations or other television stations, and that's why they have it here every Saturday afternoon. Ladies of Liberty right here in the Kiva oh, on AM 1600 KIVA, 93.7 FM, the web, the app, rockoftalk.com. That's rockoftalk.com. Their theme song, Never Will, Ashley McBride. Take a listen. And so-